This is Soul Over the Bones, a podcast for rewilding by Liz Glenn. Hello, I just want to say before I get started on this week's episode, how honored and delighted I am that you have chosen this podcast, that you might be a regular listener and that you subscribe to what I have to say and what I have to share. It means so much to me that you are receiving what I put out into the world because I try with everything to put my heart into everything that I do and be incredibly intentional about it. And so the fact that you have found value in it means the actual world to me. As you can probably tell, this podcast is not monetized. So the best way to help me out if this is a podcast that you keep coming back to week after week that you are inspired by and find value in, it would mean the world to me if you would take just two minutes. It won't even be that long to leave me a five-star review on Apple or Spotify podcasts. And if you could leave a little blurb about what it is you enjoy about it, what it is you like, it would mean the world to me. And it really does impact the future of this podcast and all of my endeavors, really. Basically, as podcasters, we are curators, sort of like a museum curator that puts together different art pieces and galleries and exhibits based on different topics or themes. And as a podcaster, which I can't believe is a hat that I am wearing, a title that I am using, that's essentially what I'm doing every week. I am listening to my heart and trying to be aware and observant and sink into my intuition and my awareness and see what is prominent, see what stands out to me. And from there, I sort of follow that thread to a topic that I feel would be relevant to rewilding and also beneficial to me and to my community, which is all of you. From there, I share any kind of insights I might already have, any personal experiences, which I make sure to cite and let you know that this is a personal experience or an opinion, not a fact, and then also incorporate facts and statistics and resources from different places to try to give you the most informed final product that I can. So for this week's episode, I am covering something that has been very near and dear to me since moving back to Michigan, especially it's cycles and seasons. And I have talked a lot about cycles and seasons, both in this podcast, on Instagram, on my journal, on my website, in my weekly email newsletter, all over the place. But instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, I thought I would be that museum curator of sorts that pulls together all of the things that I have mused about before and have said and have shared and put it in one place, which is this episode. So 
to begin a little story. When I first moved with my little family to California, I was delighted that the little mountain town we moved to was so high up in elevation, about 4,000 feet, that we still experienced a very mild version of all four seasons. We didn't experience that down in the seaside city of Long Beach, though there were definitely still seasons, a rainy season for one, which was very brief with a period of about three weeks every January. I mused once in my journal years ago upon a visit back home to Michigan that Michigan feels everything so deeply, which is evidenced by the depth and constant change of the seasons. I have now been granted a front row seat to these changes, both beautiful and sometimes terrible, always a messenger of what is and what is to come if I am observant and aware. I think these love notes are important to notice and live by to give meaning to the lives we are living within the place that we are at and also to honor the earth itself and the land that we are tending. Of course, as always, I will link to each of these sources in the show notes if you would like to delve further into all of these different topics that I am pulling together. First, here is a newsletter I typed up shortly after moving to Michigan last year in springtime. In Michigan, seasons aren't just observed. They are fully experienced. There's micro-seasons beyond the four traditionally observed calendar seasons, such as maple tree tapping season, which occurs in late winter, early spring. There's tulip season, where a town called Holland hosts an entire festival in their honor. There's going up north season, a longer than normal micro season, which spans across the whole of summer and draws people to their cabins and relaxing spaces, usually next to a body of water of some sort, during warm weather. There's apparently asparagus season, because a parcel of official mail that was delivered to me and the rest of the population of the state declared a statewide asparagus festival, something I was, before this point, oblivious to. Akin to this is radish season, wild strawberry season, carrot season, any other kind of fruit or vegetable or flower growing in your garden or yard season. Meals are prepared around these, tablescapes decorated, outfits curated. There's the pumpkin patch and cider donut season, one of my very favorites, and also so cold your knuckles dry and split open season, one of my very least favorites. But right now I'm not thinking about those because I'm currently very much preparing meals around, decorating tablescapes in honor of, and curating outfits to complement the cusp of spring and summer that we are very much sinking into right now sinking in as, breathing deeply in the evening rain air, catching hints of lilac before they're gone and freshly mown grass, truly embracing all parts of a thing, leaning into it, easing into it, relaxing into it. We're in it fully, every season. It's part of why I love this place. Did you catch that? 
I said, I love this place and am so thoroughly enjoying this season we're here for. California is dreamy and there's no beating that deep glow of sunset. It was nice to have reliable sunny weather every day and hardly any change to the temperature in regard to making outdoor plans or booking photo sessions. But I missed the rain there. On gloomy days, I would herald a holiday, replete with cozying into the nearest plush piece of furniture with a book and a blanket. It happened so rarely that entire bodies of water were dried up from it, and have been for years, and maybe will be forever. I love that we experience it all here because in experiencing it all, we experience that much more joy. One of my favorite quotes is by Khalil Gibran in On Joy and Sorrow, where it is said, Then a woman said, Speak to us of joy and sorrow. And he answered, Your joy is your sorrow unmasked. And the self-same well from which your laughter rises was oftentimes filled with your tears. And how else can it be? The deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. This can be applied to anything. The more inclement weather we experience, the more technicolor bright green that fills up our kitchen windows. The more rest we allow ourselves, the more energy we bounce back with. The more we struggle with our purpose, the more we focus our attention to it and find what we are seeking. The seasons we spend doubting ourselves, our work, our worthiness. On the other side beams confidence, clarity, drive. A summer entry. I live in Michigan now, for now, and to make the most of our experience, we're living as the locals do, by the season. Clarissa Pinkola Estes cites her version of micro-seasons in Women Who Run With the Wolves when she said, When I was a child in the North Woods, before I learned there were four seasons to a year, I thought there were dozens. The time of nighttime thunderstorms, heat lightning time, bonfires in the woods time, blood on the snow time, the times of ice trees, bowing trees, crying trees, shimmering trees, breaded trees, waving at the tops only trees, and trees drop their babies time. I loved the seasons of diamond snow, steaming snow, squeaking snow, and even dirty snow and stone snow, for these meant the time of flower blossoms on the river was coming. These seasons were like important and holy visitors, and each sent its harbingers. Pine cones open, pine cones closed, the smell of leaf rot, the smell of rain coming, crackling hair, lank hair, bushy hair, doors loose, doors tight, doors that won't shut at all, window panes covered with ice hair, window panes covered with wet petals, window panes covered with yellow pollen, window panes pecked with sap gum, and our own skin had its cycles too, parched, sweaty, gritty, sunburned, soft. This last calendar season was replete with black-eyed Susans growing wild near the driveway season. 
coneflowers growing like wildfire in the ditches season, Queen Anne's lace adorning the roadside season, and daisies burnt up too quick in the sun season. It was parched grass peppered with chicory, fireflies dotting the night like stars, toes in clear sun-sparkled water off the dock on the lake, sparklers and smell of sulfur while the mosquitoes nibbled our toes season. It was flower crowns of clover and grounding toes in sand wherever possible. It was rambling roses climbing up the walls season and hiding in the shade of dappled light trees season. It was kids on shoulders picking mulberries from high branches and eating more blueberries than we put in the buckets and cold dips in the lakes that looked like oceans. Roadside corn stands and fields exploding with sunflowers while the evening orange sunny haze hangs low over them. It was double rainbows stamped vividly against gray skies after a thunderstorm season, basketfuls of flowers collected and brought inside, monarchs in the purple bush, early morning light, and road trips to dunes. It was trail walking in the heart of forests, concerts, fireworks, and earth under my fingernails. The smell of wood fire, a charcoal grill, the sound of cicadas, that I always thought was the sound heat makes when I was young, like the way heat waves look on sunny pavement. When I think back on my life, it's sometimes hard to remember. The seasons blur. I can't tell you what summer 2017 was like, and that scares me. I don't want to forget. This log is an effort to commit the details to memory, to recall through my senses what it felt like to be alive here, now. An Autumn Entry There is the micro-season where it is still fall, as evidenced by the heaps of discolored leaves in street gutters. It can be warm and dry as a summer's day and also invite flurries of snow that make us feel as though we're in a sepia snow globe. It is very interesting to experience seasons in a place I once spent all my seasons, but paid no attention to, left for eight formative years, and am now returning on my Mary Oliver slash Clarissa Pinkola Estes tenure of my life to study the family of things in nature. Years ago, I posted on Instagram about deep autumn and find it interesting how different my experiences in a year-round summerland like Long Beach differ so vastly to this bog that experiences everything and feels so deeply. How similarly I paradoxically feel about it, and yet how complicated and unsimple it is to categorize winter and summer, bad and good, when there are beautiful and meaningful things everywhere, always, constantly. There's always a sure and enduring ache that we carry with us throughout these days. They coexist. I looked out my bathroom window, unencumbered by things such as curtains or blinds, and was struck by the sudden realization that the wind had in fact blown so hard that it had taken the once vivacious leaves with it. Now all that remains are stark marshmallow sticks attached to a bulky trunk. This part used to scare me, because when I didn't feel safe, my world didn't feel safe either. Instead of barren trees, I saw lack of hope, the cold and stark shapes, 
contrasted against the sky, felt ominous. Now that I am safe, my world is safe too. The tree has lost her leaves, and it means nothing at all. It means that this is good. It was meant to be this way. We walk through this time too, and see beautiful things still, and love it, and love tomorrow too when, perhaps we will one day, see a green bud sing hope to spring. There is the frost on the grass in the morning season. It is also the cicadas buzzing in the trees in the afternoon season. There is an overlap. You can still hear frogs and crickets through open bedroom windows at night. You can still hear the song of the black-capped chickadees, a spring sound, as well as the cawing of crows in the same day in this season. I am learning the sounds of the birds and trying to better understand what they're trying to say. That's an inner season I am experiencing personally. That's an inner season I am experiencing personally. Caring about more than enjoying birdsong for my selfish delight, but trying harder to understand. You'll certainly hear geese overhead as they make their way south. Every single time I see or hear them, without fail, I think of Mary Oliver in one of my favorite poems. So what is this all for, then? Hmm. Look out into the dark night sky when it is cold, yes, but also clear, and see the magic that is stars, and know it's just for you, and hide it up like a treasure, because you know that no photograph could ever truly do it justice anyway. You get to keep it, and it only ever happened just for you anyway a special gift from the universe, and let that make you stay up late scrawling random yet poignant poetry about life and seasons and share it with some people you think might want to hear it. I'm doing as the natives do and living fully within each season here, which changes almost daily. This is beyond human-made calendar seasons. These are love notes from the earth that act as messengers and guides, like a compass letting us know where we are in the timeline of things. Winter. My mind is presently residing in the here and now of things, the what's right in front of my face and what I can do about it, rather than focusing too much on what the future holds or ruminating on the past. This means fully experiencing what the mundane little pockets of Midwestern life on this corner plot of land have to offer me. Mostly it's been seasonal delights, the slightest changes. I make note of their beauty, appreciating them, translating them into a tender poetry I can store up for myself when I need a little treat. This is the red berries hanging from bare branches micro season, the slippery ice patches and slushy barely cleared walkways, the icy lung micro season the blowing air out to see your breath season, the scraping ice fractals off car windows season, crunch of snow beneath buried shoes season, cardinal and chickadee and blue jay and house sparrow season. It's the glitter of sun refracting off of untouched snow, the crisp morning frosted grass, windows crusted with side-blowing snowdrift, of Canadian geese somehow still making their voyages this way or that, icebergs making landfall after the river thaw, 
wet snow perfect for packing into snow people. Twisted barren trees casting shadows onto flat white surfaces. Of sliding down slick hills on sleds, finding our thrills where we can. The willow still slowly shedding her leaves. Mostly it's been the season of deeply craving ritual and routine. I want to sink more fully into myself, ground myself, root myself. I want to be fully tethered, anchored, secure. I am positively starving for nature, for being out directly next to the heartbeat of everything. While in these last weeks of dedicated restoration, I noticed how easily what I need flows to me because I can more aptly listen in the quiet. Inspiration flows through me like a lightning rod, and I have about a dozen different projects I'm fully invested in. There's routine. Every morning, we bundled ourselves up against the icy winter mornings. The sun peeks up over the trees into our living room windows in dappled shapes that dance against the wall while I prepare breakfast and lunch. We steal ourselves as we swing wide the screen door and throw ourselves out into the world. There's nighttime winter solstice events in what has become one of my favorite places in the world. When I lived here before, I had used this location for photo shoots or the occasional wandering, but never to fully know it like I do now. Since moving back, we've fully immersed ourselves in its foresty trails throughout the seasons. We crafted yule logs, arranged evergreen wreaths, and rolled beeswax candles. We walked a lantern-lit trail through the dark woods while being dusted with steady snowfall to sit by a fire and tell stories before we tossed in our yule logs and thereby our wishes for the coming year. Everything in my life revolves around meaning-making. Since finishing the book, Young, The Key Ideas, I have to believe it's my unconsciousness's way of trying to be known to my aware self. This season, and all seasons, are no exception. It used to be a time of tradition regarding religious beliefs pertaining to particular holidays, and while those are good, and we definitely observe those too, I'm also digging up the roots. I don't accept anything at face value anymore. My traditions must have meaning. Observing the solstice honors this love of nature, while also making sense of how I can best enjoy the growing darkness and harness it for growth. What I'm interpreting from the winter season is this. It's essential, and perhaps even unavoidable, to honor our cycles. We must accept new beginnings, change, transformation, as it comes and gently guides us up to higher ground. We are invited to go inward during the winter solstice, both physically and somatically. We're given opportunity to dream, to burn down, to rebuild, to create spark, to fortify, to reflect. The work I intend to do is grounded in cycles and seasons, always. I will remain intentional about the ways I tell the stories, the ones that will perhaps be told someday around a campfire in the middle of the woods while snow gently falls. In the winter calendar season, nearly to the spring equinox, the cumulative winter weather of an entire season sometimes waits until the last two weeks to completely bury us in snow as we get storms postmarked 
California, and Texas. Being inundated with snow days, carrying shovels in our vehicles in case we need to excavate ourselves, and being forced to stay home, turn inward, slow down, rest. Finally, a late winter slash early spring entry, which you can read alongside some of my photographic work via my website in my journal. We've observed the great melt that sent icebergs to the riverbanks as they rose over their beds. This is the time that spiles are plugged into the sides of maples, metal buckets hanging to collect the clear, sweet liquid that will soon be taken to the sugar house to boil. The wind bites, moves through any uninsulated crack in the house, yet there's a change in the air too. It looks like fall at times, muted colors and leftover leaves scattered and swirling as the fresh air gives the feeling of coming change. We're on one end of the sun pendulum, not the other, but there are remarkable similarities. The dirty snow piles soon melt to muddy puddles that prevent trail hikes. There is the onslaught of rain that replaces snow, though flakes do still make an appearance here and there. The robin and the red-winged blackbird appear to announce the coming of warmer weather better than any old groundhog ever could. I'd sooner trust the tulips popping up beneath the soft, still, cold ground. The aurora is apparently covering us like a blanket nearly every night, and I never know it, but it gives me the feeling of celebrity by association anyway. There is a constant parade of new things bursting into life. First of all, the purple crocus. Next come the yellow daffodils, followed shortly by the pink tulips. Then pop up the wild strawberries, flowering in the grass, the bleeding hearts, the fragrant lilacs, the wild violets, the dandelions. There is the spring-summer cusp that soaks everything in an effervescent green, pouring in through the windows on warm evenings in a neon glow. The peonies and wild daisies bloom ahead of the summer rambling roses, and there's an invisible threshold crossed where one calendar season blurs into the next. If you want more resources on how to sink into your cycles and seasons, I recommend always the work of patron saint of poetry, Mary Oliver, who so succinctly describes the wilderness in a way that makes me yearn for it. And also Catherine May's book, Enchantment, which goes section by section into the elements and how we live within those post-pandemic. I also created a guide that deep dives into our cycles and seasons, ranging from calendar seasons to menstrual cycles moon phases to the elements, and a lot more. Aside from an educational PDF, it's also a workbook with blank pages you can complete to track your insights along this journey. Again, the link to everything will be in the show notes, and for those who hear this episode and decide to purchase it here, I'm offering you $20 off with the code BONES. That's B-O-N-E-S. (music) 